Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Welcome to another episode of the Happiness Hive podcast, and I'm really excited to chat with today's guest. I've re- recently met Lara, Lara Slowgrove, and we're both members of a business community, and we've connected through there, and it's been really lovely to get to know Lara, and I'm looking forward to, to finding out more about her today. Like many women, Lara's kind of looking to pivot her business, but she's doing it on the back of resettling her family in a completely new country. And she did that right in the middle of COVID. Lara's strong, she's resilient, and she said that the experience nearly broke her. And I want to find out all about her journey and how that's where she's at and what she's up to. So welcome, Lara. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. I love... I really love connecting with women from all around the world, and we're going to dive in in a minute to find out where you're living. But tell me to start with, where were you born? Because where you were born is not where you're living now, is it? No, no. So I am originally South African, and I come from a very small town just outside of Johannesburg, very known, well-known little town, but a little town nevertheless. I lived there pretty much all my life, did a bit of moves around South Africa, but rotated back to my hometown for the fact that I'm a single mum yeah. and I have, uh, I had two young children. So I needed the support of my family to kind of get me through the days of being a working mum. Yeah, sure. So that's why I had to go back. So your hometown. family's living there? Mum and dad still living? Just my dad. Yeah. My mum, my mum passed, uh, 2019. So quite oh, suddenly it was a bit yeah. of a, yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we, we move on, had a good laugh. Yes. Always yeah. sorry and sad to miss somebody, but. Yes. Yeah. I know that feeling. So dad's still living there. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have a sister that lives in Australia actually. Ooh. And yes. And I have a brother and sister still in South Africa as well. So and you grew up, families. so you grew up in the village, went to school yeah. in the village, you went to school yes. there. What was growing up like for you? What was that like? It was a normal upbringing. We had a stable upbringing. We were at some point, my mum and dad had bought in my cousins to stay with us because their mum had also passed at a young age. So we were seven, I call our seven siblings. Seven of us youngsters between in a five-year age gap. Oh my so, God, you're poor. Yeah, I feel for my mother. Hey, <laughs> yes, 
imagine that with seven in a five-year um, age gap. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, that those first few years of being a youngster, we were like a little baby preschooling diverse group as it is. And then obviously as we grew up in that, my cousins came in and out of our lives and stayed with us for whiles here and there. But yeah, it's a quite a normal, happy little life. Almost like a community of, you know, when they say it takes a, a village to raise a, a child, it sounds like you had your inbuilt village. <laughs> Yes, you know, you, you, you connect on a different level when you, when your cousins actually become your family. So, yeah, yeah it was quite an exciting time. That was when we were really young. You know, once you got into high school and that, you, your life evolves. Yes, yeah, sure. Your friends, your friends are there and you find your individuality and, and your independence and everything else that comes with that. And I'm a headstrong, determined, Pain up the neck person. To be with you. <laughs> oh my God. Well, so where did you fit in the seven kids? Where were you? I was probably on the, the lower end, but in the middle. Yeah. So sure. we, I had two, two youngers and my sister and my cousin and they are three days apart. Oh wow. Then it was me. Then it was my brother and my other cousin who were also just a few months apart. And then it was my elder sister and my cousin that were also similar of age. Oh, wow. So it's almost like they had built-in mates, partners mate, partners and things. So tell me, what yeah. was being a headstrong young woman like for you? Was that seen mm. as being a positive element or not? That's really determined on who you were talking to to answer that question. <laughs> I think in, in school and that, it had positives and negatives. I'm very grateful and thankful for for my mum and dad for allowing me to become so independent and not crushing my soul. Mm-hmm. And I've raised my children with the same kind of principle for the simple reason that it makes you far more resilient mm-hmm. and it's hard. I mean, I, I see it specifically with my daughter allowing her to become so independent and fierce and not dampening her yes. her free spirit. It's yeah. very challenging. <laughs> How old's your daughter? How old's your daughter? My, my daughter's 20 now. Yeah, mine's 27 and same, oh. same. Like, and I, the reason I ask you about when you said you were a headstrong young woman, <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. And I don't think that was actually fostered. It was almost seen as being something bad and negative at school I got into a lot of trouble I remember oh my gosh I remember my science teacher I disagreed with what my science teacher was teaching (laughs) and I took it upon myself to tell them that I didn't agree and then I ended up in the principal's office because I was disrespectful and rude and it was kind of but like and, and you know I'll be really honest I probably didn't channel that very well back then but it was almost like it wasn't okay to speak my mind I probably could have spoken my mind a little bit less passionately uh, I, <laughs> do you relate to that do you relate to that oh hell yes yeah yes. No, I, I have I have seen my my time in many instances in the principal's office and you know had my parents called in and yes, yes. and of course my daughter and you know, my son is very good I have a son as well He's a he's a very mindful 
assertive youngster. So very oh. different to my daughter. Yeah, same, same. My kids. Yeah. How old's your son? My son is now 25. So is mine. Yeah. My, my, oh, my really? son is 25. Okay. Yes. And he's, they're the same, but they're different. Like I consciously chose, my husband and I consciously chose to raise the children as independent kids and to really foster their individuality and their uniqueness. But sometimes I just wish, oh, bloody hell, don't be so independent and don't be so free-spirited. And I'm sure that's what my parents thought about me too. But don't you think that's got a huge advantage in life in that you know they can stand up for themselves and they are not going to be bullied or pushed into a little corner and said, well, this is what we expect of you and that's it. They can actually go out and say, you know what, I am assertive and this is what I expect out of life and demand it. Mm. Yeah. And that's what we all want in life. I mean, we all want to know that we have something to offer and it's a value. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, we don't realize we have something to offer of value until somebody tells you, hey, you know what, I appreciate you for X, Y, and Z, and the person goes, oh, my goodness, I didn't even know that about myself. So, you know, that's one of the things I enjoy about life. And, you know, I encourage my children just to, I'm always saying, wow, you're extraordinary on doing X task or Y task, because in in my opinion, in my eyes, they really are wow factors. So I I love hearing that, Lara, that it's about that positive reinforcement. And I'm, um, it sounds like we've had very similar but different upbringings as well. Like I don't think I saw in myself my abilities until somebody kind of pointed them out to me. And I was like, oh, okay, that that seems pretty cool. But it was through somebody else's eyes. And so I try and do the same thing with everyone that, that I possibly can, just to be able to mi- mirror back to them the beauty from within them. So you went to school in the village. What did you do after school? What was your So I wanted to run. I wanted freedom and I wanted independence and I did not want to be under my parents' thumbs anymore. And I wanted to go as far away as possible. And and that's strange because they gave me the independence, but I think they gave me so much that I just wanted out. Wow. Um and I remember in high school I thought, Oh, if I could go and work on the yachts or the ships. Yes, yeah. You know, I could travel the world and I could do it for free. <laughs> mm. So I, after school, my mum was very determined. We, we were brought up, you had to go and do something after school. So my mum sent us to our local like, community college where I had to learn how to do typing, secretarial work. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. me too. Me too. Me yeah. too. And, uh, of course, I, uh, I did that. I bunked more classes than I attended, I won't lie. <laughs> I was caught many a time by my mother, actually, by accident, (laughs) (laughs) going into town and being walking into a shop and my mum would be there and be like, duck behind the clothes (laughs) or duck behind somebody. But, yes, it it was a year that we had to go through, and obviously I passed and everything was fine, and I did a few other little courses there. And I remember the defining moment of me having a adult, my first adult conversation with my mum, and I decided to put on a – pinstriped college shirt because that was what I had determined was the business shirt. That's grown up, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was a grown up thing. 
And I walked into the kitchen and I sat down there and I was very professional. And I said, Mama, I would like to talk to you. And I said to her, I want to go and study because I want to go and work on the ships. And I have decided this is what I want to go and study, beauty technology, and I need to go and do this. And that was the start of my life as an independent adult. I went to go and study at, um, at in those days called the Technicon, yeah. which is like a three-year diploma yeah. where you do yeah. the practical and the theory. And I studied there for three years. And then just when I thought, wow, wonderful, life is perfect, I'm going to go work on the ships, I discovered boys. Oh, no, I knew you were going to say that. I could tell by your face. <laughs> uh, well, you know, what can yeah. I say? Yeah. Late bloomer. Yeah, so they were interesting yes. to study. Uh, well, <laughs> I find them in- incredibly interesting to study. Like, <laughs> really? What do you think of that? Really? Yeah. Mm. Well, that, let's just say that was like probably the, the pivotal turning point in my life. Mm. When I kind of put my life and my dreams on, I want to say on hold, but not really on hold. It just, mm. it just turned and my priorities changed and, yeah. Is it fortunately or unfortunately or the, the situation ended up that I got pregnant, but only after three years of being with my, my yeah. first boyfriend yeah. ever. Yeah. And then my dreams had shattered. That was my son's um, uh, father, and he actually passed away while I was pregnant with him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it kind of like – Put you there, but by that time I was 27, 28 years old, so I was a, a functioning adult. Mm. I knew what I had to do, and of course, the saving grace was having being pregnant because that was like I could refocus my attention on protecting my baby and just kind of okay, I have to move from point A to point B and from point B to point C, and yeah. not thinking about too far in the future, just going. Step, I've just step. got to get through today. Yeah, got to get yes. through today. Yeah. And that honestly was your, my saving, saving grace, just knowing that this is the most important thing I've been gifted and I need to move forward with that. You know, by the time my son was born, I had kind of had to go through the grieving process and then the, his birth was like the rebirth of life. Oh, wow. I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, Life went on, and I then I decided to jump back into the dating pool because I thought, you know, I mean, I can do this. Yeah. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but one says you, you, it takes a takes more than one times to make the same mistake to realize that you shouldn't be making that mistake. And I'm a hard learner. I believe, you know, give a person a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, because, you know, sometimes yeah. you all have to learn, grow, and develop. Yeah. Well, clearly I made the second mistake, and I got my daughter. <laughs> and then I decided, no, we we can't do this. We are being foolish and stupid, and I'm now getting old. I'm in my 30s, and you're still yeah. behaving like a 20-year-old, and it's time for my self-sanity and, and growth and where I want to be in life. To stop this, so we parted, and when my daughter was six months old, and then we became a family of three. And then my priorities started to get really serious. In like, I am a mother; I have responsibilities. So, all the things I did as a youth kind of fell away, and I became quite responsible. 
because you had two little ones there. You had two. Exactly. That you were, you, know, the, like, you were the grown up there. Uh, with the kids, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and they, they brought me so much joy when they were younger. When they got to teenagers, not so much. Do you know, but, my, you know, um, I don't know about you, but the aliens came and got my son for maybe about, oh, only 12, 12 months, two years, but he was just a rotter. It's probably about 12. But then he's, yeah, but then he's been beautiful ever since. So yeah, he was just abducted by aliens, I'm sure, at that age. (laughs) But my my son went through more of a quiet phase and he, they, they said to him, he locked him in his cave. He literally came out of his bedroom to eat. (laughs) <laughs> where his food was. Yes. Yes. and that was it yeah. for about two two or three years that's the only time I ever saw him was when he was hungry <laughs> so we just left him in his cave and let him and do his growing up let, yeah exactly mm. my daughter was very different though my, my daughter is what we would call a defiant youngster oh okay so yes challenging and demanding and I love it I hate it, but I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. Uh, I get you. She, she, she has never been scared to stand up for herself in any circumstance or situation. And she knows what she deserves enough and she will question it. And it doesn't matter if you were her school teacher, yeah. her hockey coach, her any, any extramural activity she took part in, she would question everything until she was happy that your answer was better than hers. Oh gosh. <laughs> and so, and, and do you know what I did is I actually, when they were young, I remember saying to my children, because I used to, you know, being defiant and straight and headstrong, you kind of like dictate to people, this is what I want and I expect and do, do, do. And I said to my children, you know, at one point, the easiest answer is no, just say no. And I said to my children, if you feel that my no is not deserved, and you can argue a point that yeah. will convince me my no should be a yes. I will sit down and listen to you. But do not have that conversation when I'm angry with you. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And, and yes. Yeah. yes. So my, my children learned. I mean, we, we had a lot of stumbling blocks to get to that point. But I wish I had implemented perhaps in a better way because my children could come back to me and say to me, Mum, you know, yesterday or this morning, you were really angry and the way you spoke to me was really hurtful and it's created that I don't want to come and speak to you and you made me angry inside and not feel worthy or, you know, whatever the case was. Or, you know, I really want to go to their party because of, and they would give me the logical explanation and I thought, oh, I perhaps overstepped my bound over yeah. there and I could given the freedom. So I think it's about communicating at a young age. And we, we, you know, I think if I had known what I knew now, I think I would have probably brought up my children a little bit differently and definitely given them far, far more love. I think it was interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. And, and I can hear what you're saying there around reflecting back on, you know, how you've brought them up. But my belief is we do what we do with the resources that we have at the time. And I think that's beautiful to be able to reflect and go, oh, maybe that, you know, I could have done things differently. That's like when I was sharing with you and I was at school, like I was very spirited. And, you know, I think I could have channeled the way that I 
shared my views of the world. You know, would I do that now as a, as a 57 year old? No, I wouldn't. I would still speak up for myself, but I would do it in a much more considered way. Not that my, you know, I, I know the best kind of thing. So I think we do what we do because, you know, you weren't doing it out of malice. You were doing it out of where you were at in life and probably modeling that you had had and, things as well exactly. yeah and I think it's a great you know you're I, I'm reflecting on my daughter at the moment so she's very similar to me but she's also very different to me as well and she's very determined very headstrong and I can see elements where you know that is just going to get her so far in life but I can also see it being a blocker for her as well because she is so headstrong sometimes she it's like, well, I will do it this way regardless. So she has to learn her own kind of journey as well. That, that's probably the hardest when, yeah. when you sit back and you look and you go, oh, I know what's going to happen there, but <laughs> let's just wait and we'll yeah. grab you if you fall. Do you know, because... I find that really interesting, Lara. I do find that as a, as a more so as a mother than because I, I have a vested interest in the kids. But it yeah. is their life and it's about where is that fine line of offering advice and guidance versus letting them experience and have their own. You know, I do challenge, I do have challenges with that, just knowing when to and when not to. And you know what I have found is, is that my daughter, I've left her to her own devices. Yeah. And when she has really, really needed support I did not realize it that but she did turn back to me on her own accord yes. and did come back to me to yes. ask for advice so it does happen it's just yes. to get through that that's yeah up and down until they realize that actually mom does have some good advice so I think that our children actually do listen to us they yes. might not acknowledge it and they might pretend they have deaf ears but I do think they hear you. And at some point in their lives, you know, it does come back. So I think the best, oh, I 100%, advice, I, yeah. the best advice I can give is, is be mindful of what you say to your children when they start to communicate with you. And I mean that from a young age, four, five, six years old, always encourage them the, the love aspect of life and how awesome they are. The more you can tell them how great a child is, the more they believe in themselves and the more they achieve in love. And, you know, use your negative words very carefully, yeah. but still be assertive so that they have goals and visions and, and drive in life. And, I mean, that's a fine line. I wish I had got it right. See, hindsight is always the best thing. Yeah, hindsight's you know. good. Hindsight's good. And it's also hindsight, I think, is good to look at the bits that we did do well. Raising. Yes, you know. yes. My, my goal was to raise, you know, independent humans that can contribute to society and be good people. And I look at my kids and they have excelled. <laughs> Maybe I've excelled, you know, they're, they're awesome. They're awesome. And it's also, I've been very conscious in a lot of my parenting, some of it not. <laughs> Some of it was just like, holy shit, what am I even doing? Like my baby, Ellie was the first baby I ever held. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I don't know what I'm doing here. But we we get through it. We get through that. So we all grow and learn. We all grow and learn. So tell me, what was um, Mm. South Africa like growing up? 
What was what was Sorry. as a country? You know, we're we're it's pretty. A, it's yeah, it's know. a great country. I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody understands and knows the whole political background and where we were and when we came out of apartheid and that. And when we came out of apartheid, I was a really young adult. I was probably in my late teens, early twenties, still studying. You know, I, I had grown up in a family where my dad had a business and worked with different races. So for us, it wasn't, um, strange or Change in society. Yeah, because you know, I mean, my dad can speak uh, funny galore, which is like a language of all the black languages together, so he could communicate with them. We had them over at our house and stuff, so it wasn't for us too strange. Yeah, good. Yeah. And uh, when they abolished that, and Nelson Mandela was released, and the whole big thing, there was transition, and we were all very hopeful in that. And I mean, I only immigrated. Can I tell everybody yes, I immigrated to Portugal? Now, yes. <laughs> to Portugal, yes. So I want to get. So this is, this is with so I immigrated. Yeah. In 2021. So two years ago. Exactly. You, you, so you and immigrated. Took, you packed up. You packed yourself and the kids well, up. Tell us that experience because this is a like this is an ordeal. Tell us that whole process of getting there. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'll just quickly shoot back on to how I got here is yeah. I'm a South African diehard. I love my country with all my heart. It is probably one of the most beautiful countries I've been privileged to live in. And I realized after 25 years of our new government that it's not where I want my children to have an opportunity now. It, it became quite uh, obvious. And I thought, we need to make a change. I need to be able to give an opportunity to my children. So I had a very successful business. I was sorted. Everything was done and dusted. I was just living my little life. And I decided, okay, my daughter had matriculated. She went off to the Netherlands to be an au pair for a year. My son had started his business and was doing quite well. And then COVID hit. Yeah. And while we were in there, I was contemplating life and everything. And somebody said, had I tried um, immigrating to Portugal? So I was like, no, no, no. Let's see. Submitted our paperwork. I know we, we, we had a family discussion in the November. So while my daughter was in her final year exams and we were like, yeah, well, let's try it and see what happens. That was in the November. We landed in Portugal at the end of June. Oh, so the six months. Six. It, it was six, seven, seven or eight months wow. from the idea to the reality. In that eight months, we sold up everything. I was working literally, uh, my clients did not want me to leave and go. So it was very difficult on that ground. Um, I just lost my mum the year, you know, mm. my dad and all, all the un- unknowns were around us and it was, if we don't do this now, we're not going to do this. It was just a, a, a very hard choice in life. And I thought it's something that has to be done. It's probably frowned upon by everybody. And we've just come, sold up everything. My house is still in South Africa. It's on the market right now. But we came with suitcases and that's it. Oh to a country God. I just knew was somewhere up north. I didn't even know where Portugal was. It was very sad. My geography was not very good at school. I apologize. <laughs> but 
Portugal because somebody else had moved there or what was no 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 it it was just the fact that it was a opportunity where I thought let's try and see if they would accept me I mean I'm age against me I'm 50 so when we applied I was 50 so I tried to go into Australia New Zealand and um the UK they just we weren't uh, in in COVID, we just shut our borders. Australia yeah. just was so locked down. Yeah, every, everything was just a problem, and this was one of the countries that allowed it, and we right. just managed to get in here. So very grateful and thankful for that. Almost, almost two years. It was twenty three months ago. Looking back, that was it. Was tough. Yeah, it because. Was, it like the move itself, but that would have been right in the middle of COVID. Was that right exactly. in the middle of COVID? In the middle of COVID. Even when my daughter in, um, went to the Netherlands, I have to tell you this story because it was so crazy. She, it was also in the middle of COVID. And I remember working um, in my therapy room and I heard her screaming with like, joy from her bedroom. She had just got off a phone call where the agency she had gone through had said if her visa was in her passport, ticking box it was, they have opened the airports and if you wanted to, they could book your ticket and you could fly out. And she had to go for a COVID test, and if she was negative, she could fly. And we were like, within two days, she'd left. Oh, and my it was, God. She was only, I was supposed to go on holiday. We were going to have a family holiday, a little goodbye to yeah. everybody, and, you know, just do things. All of that just went poof. Oh and goodness. she climbed on an airplane, and when we went to the airport, because it was COVID, Everything had changed and internationals wasn't where it was and you would walk there and I mean we walked all the way with her because she was young. She'd never been on an aeroplane in her life before and I'm seeing oh her, across, <laughs> oh her across the freaking continents, yeah. And um by the time we realized, okay, she's in and she's not gonna be held up by customs yeah. or whatever the case is, me and my bro- um her son, I mean my your son, my son yeah. brother, yeah. looked at one another and we were like Oh shit, she, she's gone. And it, it was, but we didn't really say goodbye because we were so stressed and so yeah. busy. I yeah. mean, we yeah. were running around packing and I mean, there was no time to even cook a meal. We, it was, it was crazy. Um, and she was gone. So when we came to Portugal a few months later, we were just as like, it was, it was crazy because you, did you have COVID? Did you not? We got COVID. So we had delays and then you're, you're out of your house, but you're not in anywhere and you're in limbo and you're in isolation. And then when you arrived here, we had a 36 hour commute from door to door. We were exhausted yes, and we had these yes. masks on for 36 mm. hours. It was ridiculous. We got into our, our new little apartment and we couldn't go out and get shopping, you know, cause you, we weren't allowed to leave. We had to be in isolation. And because we were traveling from a foreign country, yep, we yep. were allowed to leave. Oh my goodness. It was an absolute challenge. Did you know anybody? Did you know anybody there? No. So we were lucky enough to, the lady that rented us out the apartment for the first month had obviously realized this was a problem and had offered to buy us our groceries. Oh my so, God. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, thank God for that. So, yeah, we, I just, you know, she would come and drop off our little groceries every now and again for us. And, and we just hibernated for two weeks in a fantastic country where we couldn't leave. And you, you know, it, it was daunting. Yes, I can imagine. So this was you and your son and was your daughter still in the yes. Netherlands? Yeah. Exactly. So you had and to pack everything up. You had your suitcases. Yeah. Moved into the apartment. How did you organize the apartment? How did you organize the apartment? Did you just do that online? Well, that was an interesting scenario all on itself because um, what happened is, is we we thought we had an apartment arranged. Hours before we were going to leave South Africa, they phoned me and told me that Portugal has lifted COVID and they're now going to rent out the apartment to the UK holidaymakers. And sorry, they don't have an apartment for me. Oh my gosh. I can just feel the stress. I can feel yes. that stress. I laugh at it now, but it wasn't then. But I have a very, I have a very big and strong belief in Good karma and bad karma. And I just thought, you know what? It's meant to be and we'll figure this out. I had a very good network of clients that were Portuguese in South Africa and I reached out to them and I said, guys, this is what's happened. Anybody can help me. Anybody knows somebody. And lo and behold, within 12 hours after putting my request in, I secured a new apartment. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Done and dusted. So, you know, the, the, the karma of the, you know, the stress was minimized by going, you know what? These are circumstances I can't control. We will get there and it will fall into place because things that happen easily will continue to happen easily. Yeah, and lovely. if you have a positive mindset like that, you kind of, it will. Yeah. You don't, you should not doubt yourself. If a person speaks negative and, and you know, self-doubt, you will create self-doubt. But if you can speak positive into your life and take everything as a, an exciting adventure and not a challenge, I mean, it is. So yes, we, we are here in Portugal now. It has been challenging. I won't, I won't lie. Not so much for myself, but getting my children's documents and paperwork going because in, in Portugal, COVID has been a lingering and still remains a very lingering immigration nightmare. But in saying that, I have managed to secure and got all my family's documents sorted out. And so we're, we're there, but it was a very, very, Challenging time and you need to find, dig deep down for inner strength and know that you will succeed. And the worst that's going to happen is you're going to breathe and wake up tomorrow and carry on. And every day you're going to carry on doing that. So long as you're taking one step forward, doesn't matter how big the step is. It can be like just one little toe step forward. Mm. So long as you're looking forward, it will eventually work out. But you have to move. You can't stand still and say, but it's not working. You need to have action to create success. And I think that's really key in in where we are today. Gosh, I love, I can feel the stress when you were talking about it. But when you were saying that, you know, you couldn't do anything, that they're renting out the apartment and you could do a whole meltdown around that but that's not going to do any good so using your networks and what I'm picking up through this whole chat Lara is that resolve that strength of character that you have right from a spirited young you know young girl in the middle of the seven siblings and cousins (laughs) 
and through school and, you know, being determined to, to get onto the yachts, but life kind of throwing you some curveballs, it was almost like I can just pick up that strength that you have, that inner strength that you have and being able to then use it to help you get through that adversity. I, I can absolutely pick that up from what you're saying. So what's your business? What are you doing in Portugal? I am a massage rehabilitation therapist and had a business like that in South Africa. And when we came here, it was just a a natural progression. It doesn't matter where I am in the world, I will always have clients. But COVID has been such a, a blessing to me because it has allowed society to know that online is normal, quite achievable and acceptable practice. And I'm a little bit of a lagger. I'm not a, a, you know, the person that heads out and creates new visionary things. And I've been watching this and looking and I thought, my hands have a time limit. And I'm now in Europe and I love it here. There's so much to do and see and it's so safe. I think, you know, just, just knowing that you can go out with another lady on an adventure for a few days or, you know, you don't have to worry about your safety has made me want to do more things and I'm wanting to take my business online. So I'm in the process of of figuring all of that out and taking it online. And obviously I still enjoy and love the physical touch because it does have a huge amount of power, but I can help so many people with physical in online work. So I'm in the process of going online. Oh, I I love that. And I think that's also like the, the strength. You sound very determined that you, when you kind of put your mind to something, you're able to make that happen. So it's lovely to hear that, you know, it's almost like this rebirthing again. You know, you mm. talked about when you had your son that that was an opportunity for rebirth. And this sounds like it's another stage of life for you and making the most of it. One other thing I picked up, Lara, from what you were sharing is even though there has been adversity, you have referred to each of those elements as being a gift, that you've actually seen the gift that has been presented to you. So even though, yes, it has been hard, you haven't kind of gone, you know, it's all too hard. You've gone, yeah, this is hard, but you've actually seen the gift in what you've been given in life. And that's beautiful to be able to to see it that way as well. What do you do to fill your cup? What what fills your cup? My work. Your work, yes. I I, I don't I don't have I don't have a nine to five job. I have a a job of love and passion and that fills me up. So I don't need anything more than that. That's lovely because you get to connect with people. You get to help people as well to, to, with their physical ailments and elements of life as well. So you're actually giving of service and that's beautiful to hear that. Where can our listeners find you? So the best would be is probably on Facebook yeah. as Body Zest. That's my Body business Zest. name. Yeah, lovely. Yes. And they can just send me a message or a WhatsApp 
Yeah. I'm not very good at phone calls because I'm working, <laughs> but uh, a message on a WhatsApp. And then as soon as my uh, website and the online stuff becomes available, it'll go up on my Facebook page and we'll let everybody know how I can help them on a worldwide scale uh, and not just local scale. That, that's great to do that. So, and all your details will be in our show notes as well. So the listeners have got access to the show notes. So that's fantastic. And it is like the, the podcast is international. So you never, there was somebody that I'd heard the other day listening from China. So I'm not oh, sure wow. you'll have a Chinese, someone from China, <laughs> so but you never, never know. English, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, so you you just never, never know. And I think it's a beautiful opportunity just to be able to share where you're at. And people, what I'm finding too with the podcast is the pearls of wisdom just drop. Like I get lots of feedback where people say, oh, I was listening to the episode where you were talking to so-and-so and it just really resonated with me and it just made such a difference. And you just never know. I never, never know what what people are going to pick up on, but there is so much goodness and just it's lovely just hearing other people's stories just to be able to motivate and just help us to live our best and most beautiful lives so Lara thank you so much for sharing your time and I know that you've got it's morning time Lara's recording evening time here in Australia so I really appreciate you getting up early for this thank you very much my pleasure thank you so much for having me here I've really enjoyed it Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me and our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.